right, everybody. It is Thursday, which means that our Freight Waves community spotlight of the day goes to the one and only Thomas Wasson, not only my co-host for the day, but our host and writer of Loaded and Rolling the Show and the newsletter. Thomas, put on your second hat. There we go. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about communities for you. Starting off, cargo theft. This one was fascinating. Coming out of uh, Noy Mahoney as well, uh, writing about uh, total thefts in 2022. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the TLDRs were up 15%. Over $223 million uh, worth of goods were stolen, which is fascinating in that if you live in California, Texas, or Florida— uh, those are the top three places where items are stolen. So uh, they're writing about, you know, when we talk about trucking and stuff, a lot of times we forget that these things are only secured by a plastic seal or like a padlock. So you know how you like chain your, your fence so your dog doesn't get out? Well, also about $50,000 worth of cargo is only secured by a similar contraption. So what we're seeing right now is uh, usually nine out of 10 are organized crime. Mm. And you know, it, when we're talking about cargo, that should be as simple as let me roll up to a truck stop with a pair of bolt cutters, take some stuff out, bada bing, bada boom, and close it back up. And then nobody really knows until you show up. And, and sometimes even then it's like, takes a minute. So you get to your receiver and they're like, why am I missing half of this weight? It's really interesting to me that the majority of these thefts come out of California, the land with all the laws. Texas, the land where, as a citizen, you basically get to write your own laws, and Florida, the land that has no laws, right? Like, is this because we're looking at major port cities in California, a lot of cross-border in Texas, and then again, major port cities in Florida? Yes. If you're a cartel, you're also very entrepreneurial-wise, and so (laughs) when we're looking about the city's major crossings, uh, obviously, Latin American drug trade and stuff goes through ports like Miami, uh, as well as ports of Jacks and other locations. Uh, Texas has the Laredo and El Paso crossing, California has the ones down near San Diego, but it's not just that. Not only is organized crime predominantly, when we're talking about organized crime, mostly it's cartel-related activities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, the Italian mob hasn't been as popular since Godfather in the 90s, so, uh, you know, that is... Is, uh, and it's also, those are three very large states that move freight. Right. Uh, you know, I'm sure Georgia and a few others are up there in the top 10. But, you know, when we're trying to predict why this happens, there is opportunity. Just like a, a distribution center has supply and demand, if you're a cartel or you're using, a, you know, if you're in the crime gang, you have a demand for stolen televisions or a demand for consumer household goods, which are, by the way, the first two types of things stolen. So, you know, I'm an enterprising young gang person who needs a new KitchenAid stand mixer. Well, there's a distribution center. So this is what we've also noted as well. They'll literally just stake out a distribution center so they figure out what it sells. Energy drinks are another surprising huh. one. Yeah, surprisingly, instead of spending 2 or $3, <laughs> stealing energy drinks is one of the top things stolen. So uh, we're seeing a rash of cargo thefts. What does that mean pragmatically as your friendly re- neighborhood resident trucking expert? HV HVP rules apply and so do the Wild West. 200 miles, no stopping. Make sure you have hours. If you're hauling a thing of cell phones, sometimes they'll have vehicles that are trailing you. If you're Mm -hmm. usually running freight that's like televisions and cell phones as well, uh, high value product over 150, I think it's over $250,000 in cargo, um, you normally are going to have stricter standards. I still won't stop it though. Uh, Televisions are great things to steal. So, uh, you know, it's hard as a driver. You're, you worked all day. You finally get into your truck parking place. No one backed into you this time. And next thing you know, you wake up in the morning and someone stole your stuff. I've seen it happen many times. Mm-hmm. So looking for pragmatic solutions, it gets tricky because right now, uh, we, we, freight's very commoditized. So we just 
write it off on insurance. There you go. That was going to be my final question is, does the responsibility then fall on the driver? Is there insurance that covers this type of stuff? And if you're a small fleet versus an enterprise fleet, where where are you hedging your bets on where to protect yourself from theft? Uh, you know, well-lit areas, very large parking, truck parking with hopefully cameras. Good luck if they work, by the way. You can get hit in a... If you have an accident in a truck stop, they don't even know if the footage works half the time and it's a private property. So yeah, that's another fun topic for another day. But... Um, <laughs> pragmatically, uh, you know, making sure your stuff is secure, not being in a location that is high crime. I mean, if you're in a large city, uh, it's usually safer to go out very often uh, unless they've been watching that particular distribution center. That's why you went to 200 miles. You're, you're mm-hmm. enterprising criminal if you get out of L.A. and you happen to get a thing of Red Bull and you stop at the truck stop in Ontario, that's right in my backyard. But if you drive 200 miles out going towards Arizona or on the border, I don't want to drive that far to steal your stuff. There's a bunch of other people already parked. So just pragmatic steps like that. All right, Thomas, interesting stuff there. Let's talk a little bit about the LMI, Logistics Managers Index, dropped yesterday. We saw that contraction in the freight markets is slowing, but still not necessarily a good sign. We're getting closer to that 50 number, and 50 is the break-even point between expansion and contraction. Exactly. It's like reading tea leaves, but LMI does have some great data. Even though they quoted the Wall Street Journal from most of their sources, I have so much to give, folks. Just subscribe (laughs) to my community newsletter as well. Paul Page, if you're listening, call me. I I got you, fam. But anyways, I digress. Uh, So it's an interesting data because the LMI goes up from like 54 to like 56 so we have a little bit of movement. It was the first time in like seven or eight months it stopped going down. Mm-hmm. So that's some progress. But fascinatingly enough, two takeaways. One, we are seeing that people bought stuff over the holidays. And just like my pipes are clogged after the Super Bowl, we're seeing some movement slowly in terms of replenishment. Now, the problem is, which is step two of this wonderful uh, narrative, is that As we're seeing this movement, warehousing space is still at a premium. Mm -hmm. Warehousing space, there's just not enough space. So in spite of the fact that you and I could be large shippers and we managed to clear up some of our supply problems, through these replenishment cycles, we're still having this kind of hangover, a little bit of fuzziness. And so uh, what this means for most trucking companies, transportation capacity is in the 70s still. There's still way too much trucking capacity while pricing is in the 40s which shows that, uh, you know, if you're a carrier, the, the, the weather conditions are not so well. So this LMI, I would say, is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're making progress. Good for shippers, not good for carriers, because you still are just hanging out in the wilderness, uh, so to speak, until the, uh, the market turns or enough of your cohort decides to leave the market. So that way, the equilibrium resumes. So on that note, carriers and how they're faring, obviously we're in the throes of Q4 earnings releases and full full year 2022 earnings releases. Has there been anyone that's released anything that has really surprised you on the enterprise carrier side? Well, uh, I mean, honestly, right now, no no big surprises. Everyone's finally figuring out. Large carriers with their contracted rates are usually the latest to the party, and by then the party's already out of beer. So that's kind of how it works as a large enterprise carrier. But they're going to be the first ones eventually to capitalize as things start changing. Right. They'll start their own party. Uh, for smaller carriers, though, it's rough. It's extremely rough out there. Uh, if you're looking at a situation where you're trying to book on the spot market, it's really reminiscent of the Hunger Games. Here's a great example. Spoke with a large broker that actually a small carrier booked loads through CH's Navisphere, had the loads guaranteed to them, but it turns out they gave them to a large enterprise oh. carrier instead because their rate was cheaper. And so this behavior, it's really fascinating because I used to be that guy. $1.50, I have to fill the bucket. I run 7,000 loads a week. If I need to take 
all or 25, that's, that's fine with me Sounds because I have right. 5,000 trucks. Now, the smaller carrier, though, has to run at $2 or above. So we are seeing this behavior out there. Right now, it's a matter of smaller carriers who can hang on. And it's not like doom and gloom. When we're talking about this movement, it doesn't take much, 10%-ish of the market to 20, you know. Mm -hmm. When we're saying a bloodbath, we're not saying like half of y'all not going to make it. This is an Omaha Beach, folks. What we're saying is a, a notable amount. It could be upwards of 5 to 10% of trucking capacity could leave the market. That would still be quantifiable enough to say now we're starting to see the pendulum change. It doesn't take much because you have to remember everyone's locked in contract rates spot market movers. It's not as if, uh, uh, you know, when we're talking about uh, 95% of all freight, uh, between 85 and 95% preferably likes to be moved on, you know, contracted rates. It doesn't take much. We're seeing some movement. We're not there yet. All right, Thomas. Well, thank you for being here to talk loaded and rolling as well as co-hosting with me today. Of course, we've got the show that airs live on Tuesdays at one o'clock right here on Freightwaves TV. And head on over to our community's page up on Freightwaves.com to subscribe to Thomas's newsletter, as well as to every other newsletter in our community's ecosystem. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.